about focus groups nowadays, isn't it? Focus groups. Even as we speak, in pre-election frenzied Britain, the focus groups are gathering, huddled together, trying to gauge the public mood. What new promise, even at this late stage, will work, will swing things? What dramatic new pledge will win the day? get the fickle public on side with their man, their woman. If they don't like the policy, we'll drop it. If they buy it, we'll sell it hard. Focus groups shaping thinking. John the Baptist clearly had no time for focus groups. For if he had, they would surely have warned him against everything he did. And everything he said, the way he did it, and the way he said it. He was clearly not much bothered about popularity. 
not even success. He just had to do what he had to do and say what he had to say. How badly wrong can one man get it? The weird and wonderful clothes he wore, guaranteed to make people shake their heads and wonder what he was on. The lifestyle choices he made were just odd. What he ate, where he lived, how he lived, not exactly normal, conventional, accessible, acceptable. And as for his choice of a location to pursue his ministry, had no one told him, location, location, location. On the street corner, perhaps, somewhere with high visibility, good footfall, ease of access. And yet here he was, miles from anywhere, in the Judean desert, which is pretty desert. Back of beyond. It made no sense. It was insane. His mission was surely doomed. Who does he think is going to traipse outside the city walls, trek all the way into the wilderness to hear a preacher? How wrong can one man get it? A good focus group would have pointed him in a different direction, urged him to change his style, reminded him that perception is reality. And the public perception of you, John, is you're a bit of a weirdo. And when you listen to what he's saying, well, what a turn-off that's going to be. In that day and in that age, no less than in our own, people don't want to be told they have a problem. They are the problem. People don't want to be confronted with unpalatable, uncomfortable, fierce and fiery truth. They don't want to be forced to face up to stuff that reveals them in a none too flattering light. So so why did John not learn that it's better to soft soak them, woo them, schmooze them, seduce them with honeyed words, instead of poking his unsparing halogen light into the very darkest corners of their heart? No one's going to welcome his verdict on them with a very cheery spirit. His diagnosis of the human condition, of your human condition, left you squirming. The mission of John the Baptist was a public relations car crash. Indeed, the whole thing was actually a bit too much. Over the top for most folk. People generally don't want religion that comes wrapped in fire and passion and demand. Keep it cool, John. Calm it down. Don't get so serious about it. Remember, religion is just something you you have as part of your story. What you do when you feel like it. But this guy, John, made it sound as if it was the most important thing in the whole world. We like to have a faith that we can control He wanted us to have a faith that controls us. So this wasn't the placid gentility of the vicar of Dibley or the harmless religion of Father Ted. This was full on, in your face, grab you by the lapels, deadly serious religion. Presentation-wise, as they say, it was a disaster, not even waiting to happen. It was happening before their very eyes. John the Baptist's guide to how not to win friends and influence people. 
And the more closely you listened to what he was saying, the worse it got. There was all kinds of frightening talk about you are living in a time of crisis when earth-shattering events are going to happen and, and you have to make sure that you're prepared and when the crucial moment comes that you're ready. For coming it was. Make sure you don't miss out. Frighten you half to death if you were a bit susceptible, a bit vulnerable, a bit wobbly emotions-wise. So what's he peddling? Are these just scarce stories to make us buy into his dream? He claimed that he was just the trailer, the warm-up man, and that just around the corner, someone was coming who would change everything. As if anyone could change everything. But John, listen, we've got lives to live here, things to get on with. We can't rush off and buy into every religious fanatic who tries to raise the temperature and boss us into believing. But John just wouldn't leave it alone. He wouldn't let us have religion light. Leave it optional. The kind we like that doesn't impinge. You know, think about it when you've got a minute. If, if you can see your way clear, if you're going through a wee bit of a reflective phase, you might give it all a bit of thought. Or, You know, we're all kind of spiritual, John in our own way. That's not good enough for him. He wants people to change their lives, change the direction of their lives, turn their whole commitment and energy towards seeking the kingdom of God and following the Christ who comes to save the world. And he wants people to do it now. Not think about it, consider it, and then as usual let the good intentions dissipate and disappear. Come now and be baptised, he says, as a public sign, as an earnest, that you are committed to following the truth of God and you are embracing the kingdom that's coming. So that when Christ comes, you will look for him and you will see him because you've been waiting for him. You will understand who he is and why he is here. Because you will have been ready, looking eagerly for him to come across the mountains bringing peace and salvation. Just a minute, John. Listen to the opinion polls. Check the demograph. Do some surveys. Get real. We have lives to get on with. Ordinary, decent lives. We don't need this extra strong flavour religion. And, by the way, I'm not sure I'm that keen to be called a sinner who needs to repent. I'm no mugger, no murderer. I do the best I can to be a decent sort of person. So all this repentance stuff you're bringing must be for someone else. Sure, I've got things in my story that I'm not too proud of, but no one's perfect. There's no need to beat yourself up about your past. Suck it up and drive on. That's what we do these days. That's how we deal with guilt and shabbiness and mistakes. We don't expend energy on internal angst. John, we've reinvented morality so the language fits our lifestyle. So repent seems to us such a, an old-fashioned, unhelpful word. Such an archaic and redundant idea. We've got beyond that. We've learned not to torture ourselves with guilt. We get on with it. We move on. People say. So John can speak his message all he likes. But who, who needs to listen? Destined to be a voice crying in the wilderness, 
ignored, sidelined, and embarrassment. How wrong could he have got it? One smart focus group would have steered him in the right direction. John, give people what they want to hear. Let them hear the things they want to hear. Down by the riverside, there are two groups of people watching this PR disaster unfold. There are the observers, those who out of curiosity or professional interest have come along to Jordan to see what this guy John's all about and if he's got anything to say and have anything to learn from him. Any new insights? They keep a distance, they watch from a safe place, they, they stand aloof and untouched by all, the pundits, the spectators. And you get a lot of that with religion, people who skim the surface. They go to Malta on holiday and look at a few churches. They attend the odd social event at church. They, they sing along with songs of praise on the BBC. But for them, it's always arm's length out there. They're watching. They're in control. It's never really about them and their need and their failures and their hurting. Maybe that happens in church a lot. People taking it all in, looking, in a, looking around at it all, thinking this or that from the top of our mind, but not caught up in it, not letting ourselves be touched by the truth. Even, even if it comes up close and whispers in our heart, this is about you. And there were the others. And as the dust swirled and the desert wind spat grit in their eyes and the heat and the glare of the sun bore down in them so that entering the cool Jordan water was like a healing balm of refreshment for those people who, who saw beyond John's unfashionable clothes and his bizarre diet and his passionate words to the truth he addressed. And they responded to that truth with their whole hearts and their real self. For those people, there was an opportunity to turn the ship of their life around in a new direction. Those who chose to believe, and like John, to look for the king who was coming, who made that decision. So, so the externals didn't matter at all. Where John's mission was located, how he spoke, what he wore. Only the truth he spoke mattered. The inner certainty that here was something too precious to let slip. Something worth changing the whole direction of your life, your priorities, if you dared. And they stepped forward, hesitant and tentative and scared in the full glare of the public gaze, and they chose not to lose the moment. Just like it might be for some people today, feeling that when we're invited to come up close to God, who calls us as powerfully as he did back then and the summons to repent of the sins that actually we haven't dealt with, really, for all the psycho babble and the problem page pep talks, but they lie there disturbing and wounding deep inside us. And the summons comes to, to deal with those before God and know his healing and his forgiveness that's true and important. Somewhere inside we know that's true for us. So just as there were people back then who refused to be deflected by the externals and determined instead to deal with soul issues before God, 
There may well be, and in fact I'm sure there are people today who long for that liberating grace and love of God to, to fill their hearts and bring the new beginning that is God's gift. To them the invitation is offered, the gift and call is given. Don't walk away. Don't keep a safe distance from this truth. But step forward and choose the way of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now we spend some time in 